Um, what's up, everybody? D-Love here, coming at you with some special bonus content on this here Wednesday, January 13th. I trust you've already ingested episode 65 from Monday's drop, and for that, I thank you. But today, I wanted to take a little bit more of a deep dive into the recently anointed lightweight contender Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Because if it wasn't for the Bronx, this rap shit probably never would be going on, so tell me where you from, right? So, But now... You know, at this time of the recording, it's been recently rumored that the UFC is soon going to announce Charles Oliveira is going to be standing across the octagon and looking back at him will be none other than the highlight Justin Gaethje, right? Now, it's anything but a foregone conclusion in the event that fight does get booked that Charles Oliveira is going to come out the victor, right? But for the purposes of this show, I want to assess Dubronx's career and recent win over Tony Ferguson in an attempt to argue that even without the win over Gaethje, and most especially if he does get the fight and beat him, Charles Oliveira, in my opinion, has done enough to secure himself a shot at the victory between Conor McGregor and Dustin the Diamond Poirier, right? That's my opinion. But now, throughout my over 20-plus years of fandom in the UFC, following MMA, the UFC in particular, I've noticed a handful of fighters that I feel like all kind of fall into this category, right, of hard work, no frills, nothing too fancy, not looking for celebrity, just good old-fashioned blue-collar, embrace the grind, earn not given attitude. Unfortunately for fighters like these in an ever-growing money fight, super fight, i.e. entertainment era, it ends up taking a lot longer for them to build their name and secure leverage as a needle mover since trash talking is in an ever-exceeding need to stand out amongst the rest has become more prevalent these days, right? Ever since the emergence of Conor McGregor in the UFC's featherweight division back in 2013, and his meteoric rise to fame, fellow fighters began to take notice with a combination of near-flawless in-octagon performances combined with a never-before-seen gift of being able to both entertain the crowd and simultaneously set up shop and tie his opponent's head. The rest of the combat sports world over the last seven-plus years have really began to try to copy these tactics in an attempt to both set themselves apart and hopefully gain some traction and notoriety, ultimately helping them build their brand and in turn provide them with more leverage to secure bigger paydays in the future. But for some fighters, that's just not how they operate. And while they may under understand that this is a sports entertainment business and that, the, as Chael Sonnen would like to say, it's much more than about the punches and the kicks, some fighters just don't permit themselves to try and be something they're not. And for the sake of the almighty dollar, they don't want to behave in a way that just would feel like they're compromising their integrity and not being who they are. I respect the fuck out of that. Um, I've alluded to this in the past when discussing fighters, for instance, like Jorge Masvidal or Dustin Poirier, for instance, right? Well, if you only consider recent events, you might think that both those fighters have been dominating the headlines and are anything but run-of-the-mill or no-frills, but, you know... It was only just recently in the last few years that those two fighters we all know now know as household names began to really become noticed by the greater community outside the MMA hardcore fan base. I mean, and I'll concede Jorge's new Street Jesus persona and out there baptizing fools does cater to the entertainment side of things, but I would argue that he's just recently found a way to self-promote by just being himself and turning it up to 11, as they say, right? So therefore, I don't feel like he's compromising his integrity. And there are a few expressions even that, in particular with Dustin Poirier, that I like to emphasize because I feel like it's truly, it embodies the mentality that I've been talking about. And again, there's something to be said about a person who isn't willing to sacrifice their identity and their integrity 
in order to just quote unquote get ahead, right? Um, it really brings me a great sense of joy and feeling of everything's right in the world when those who just keep their nose to the grindstone and continue to work hard and quote unquote do the right things are repaid by the universe for having that kind of mentality with the fruits of their labor. So I, just fighting is a metaphor for life. And I would like to know that there's still rewards that exist for those who like to take the long road and aren't afraid to earn every last piece of success that they achieve. For Dustin Poirier in particular, these emotions have always kind of been brought to bear for me during his walkout uh, to the Octagon, which you heard in the intro with his James Brown song, Paid the Cost to Be the Boss. That one is just one of my favorites, and, 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 and I just feel like, again, that just exudes that uh, mentality of paid in full, no shortcuts, earned, never given. And one of the other things that Dustin Poirier says uh, or has said in the past is that he has 25 minutes to make life fair. Now, that I think is my favorite one. I think he got it from Teddy atlas the world famous boxing trainer but because they're close and everything but he put his own spin on it and no matter all the sacrifices all the things that happen in life that aren't fair because life let's be honest is not fair for one night for 25 minutes he got he gets the opportunity to make life fair damn that's just powerful i love that one and um all of this is really to say that i give a ton of respect to the career and legacy of these types of fighters and over the years watching charles Oliveira, i personally feel like he's woven from the same cloth and it fills me with joy to finally see after a decade plus competing in the UFC, Charles Oliveira like Jorge Masvidal, like Dustin Poirier and, and Leon Edwards comes to mind you know, beginning to get the recognition they deserve, not just for their outstanding skills and performances in the octagon but for their unrelenting, never give up non-compromising mentality which in my opinion is far more valuable than any 12 pound gold belt could ever be. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at Oliveira's entire career in the UFC um, he's been in the UFC since 2010 we're going to just run through his career we're going to run through all of his wins and losses uh, i want to discuss it with my boy nate here my trusty co-host and again since it's rumored that justin gaethje charles Oliveira might actually be booked very very soon probably even if it's going to happen i'm assuming they're going to be announcing it this week so please forgive me if you're listening to this episode wednesday and it has already been announced but we're going to assess his career and we're going to argue at least i'm going to argue that i feel like he's earned uh the, basically his next fight should be for the title and if for some reason that dustin versus connor doesn't get made an interim title or it isn't for the belt because again we're going to discuss how Khabib's kind of looming in the wings here we're still unsure what's going on with that um, although all information that he's given out still points to the uh, fact that he's staying retired hollow however I mean it still is a cloud that kind of hangs over not only the Dustin Connor fight which my assumption is we'll get some clarity before that fight happens but again the entire lightweight division especially up in this top four top five kind of really doesn't know what the stakes are in their fight so that being said we're going to discuss this as if um, the fight you know, had been booked and he won, or the fight hadn't been booked. In my opinion, either way, Charles Oliveira has been doing what he needs to do to secure himself a place up at the top of the division. And I think, um, you know, number one contender fight notwithstanding against Gaethje, because, again, I'm not necessarily against that fight, uh, but if that's not the fight to make, my personal opinion is he's next for the for a title shot. So we're going to go over that. We're going to kind of discuss uh, my opinion, Nate's opinion on that, and see what he thinks. And then we'll give you a small kind of overview and preview of the uh, Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight, which, of course, we'll do more of a deep dive as we get closer and give you our uh, official picks for that entire card in the next week here. So no official picks, I guess you'd say, this uh, episode, but a lot of good insight, and uh, I'm excited for this one. So let's get to it. First, let's start with a quick little overview, a little history on Charles Oliveira. If you guys aren't aware right now, since June 9th of 2018, he's on an eight-fight win streak in the UFC um, against some absolute savages. The guy is 30 and 8. Damn. 30 and 8, man. Um, 
I thought, you know, I was like, man, I totally forgot how many people and how long he's actually been fighting because he's so fresh to me. Not, I know he's been around a while, but I didn't think he's been around that long. And um, I it really, kind of goes to the point of what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are even more plugged in than the average casual fan. And this guy went away for a while, not necessarily wowed us with some of his performances. He had faced some adversity in his career. It's not like he had an undefeated record. But as you put it, now eight fight winning streak and he's back on our radar and 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 i just want to shine some light on that those earlier that work he's been putting in you know what i'm saying yeah i mean the guy's got a phenomenal record and i some of the names on that resume are pretty awesome yeah so we'll just start real quick giving you a brief history his first fight was august 1st of 2010 with a submission win over darren elkins the damage yes and then uh Who's still in the UFC killing it. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute savage, a veteran. He's fun to watch, and he always brings it. Uh, then September 15th, he fought Efren es- uh, Escudero, win by submission. Then we start to see a little bit of uh, unfortunate streak here, but he fights some tough guys. In December 11th, 2010, he fights Jim Miller, loses his submission. Jim Miller by submission in the first round. Wow, how many other people have lost to Jim Miller in the first round by submission? High-level fighters. So a little bump in the road, third fight in his UFC career. Then uh, he had a no-contest draw against Nick Lentz shortly after that. Then, August 14, 2011, he faces the very tough, the very veteran-savvy, a lot of fights in the UFC as well. Donald Cerrone loses to a TKO. Notice how the last three losses, the early bump in his road in his career, all three of those fighters are still competing at a high level in the UFC And during today. that time, those guys were at the top of the Exactly. Preaching, they were know. savages at their prime back then. Go ahead. You know, and then in uh, 2012, we got Eric Wisely. He uh, won submission. 2012 again in June, he fought Jonathan Brookins, won submission. Then... We face the next two losses in his career, September 22nd, 2012, and then July 6th, 2013. He lost to Cub Swanson, former title contender, and still a savage, just came off a win. And Frankie Edgar. This former is, champion, lightweight you know, reign for the longest time. Yeah, okay. And, so. and then here we start seeing him come back in 2014 of February, win versus Andy Ogle, uh, submission, win versus Hatsu Hioki. Submission, yeah, win versus Jeremy Stevens, decision unanimous, win over Nick Lentz, who's fighting on the card in uh, UFC 257. Got that no contest back. Yeah, uh, fighting Nick Lentz, win submission, then his next loss hits him, but his next loss is in August 23rd, 2015 against the former two-time, I'm uh, sorry, former champion, he almost was a two-time champion if you were able to beat... Um, Volkanovski the second time, but... Or, or, I'm sorry, I meant to make two-weight division... Uh, Poirier. Oh, it's Poirier, But he yeah. didn't. Max Holloway. So yeah. in 2015, this is when Max was on a tear. If you're paying attention to the names on the lost list, just, that's yeah, all I'm trying to point it. out. Keep going. So lo- lost to Max Holloway in 2015 of August, TKO. In December 19, 2015, he, he win. A good submission win over Miles Jury. Then his next two losses, Anthony Pettis in 2016, August, and Ricardo Lamas. Both of them were submissions, and which is actually pretty surprising because this man is a submission monster. Yeah, but Ricardo Lamas, you know, maybe not as much as Anthony Pettis. Both those guys, top of the food chain, Anthony Pettis, former Especially champion. Especially in 2016. This was, this Absolutely. Was, then in uh, April 8th, 2017, a win over Will Brooks, was able to come back. Lost to Paul Felder. Another savage. The Irishman, another savage. But here. And then here we go. That was his last loss. Now we're looking at the eight-fight win streak. Since 2018, last two years. Yes, 2018. Granted, this was kind of like, let's see if he still got it. He's coming off a loss. They gave him Clay Guida. 2018 win submission. First round. Then Cristiano Giagos win submission. Second round. See see this? He was losing submission. So you can clearly see at this point in his career, after Lamas and um, Pettis, he's like, I'm going to get better at ground. I'm going to go back to my roots, basically. Yeah, and not exactly. only that, but you can clearly see that now he's he, he's 
all the way, all the way fine tuned that grappling, yeah, that jujitsu and, and now prowess. he's u- utilizing it, and he's submitting and people. And then gets another one of his losses back against. Yeah, against Jim Miller. You 2018, know? first round. First round. Then David Tamer uh, wins submission. Second round. And then you got May 18, 2019. Nick Lentz. Another time. Another time. Let's do it again. A win, TKO. By punches, making yes, it a point to when, start. This is, you you could physically see him making a point to try to start using his Muay Thai because he's stepped up in his striking. Yeah, cause, because at this point, everyone's like, oh, he, he's just got grappling. He's just submitting people. Yep. And then the, and already beat Nick Lentz that way. If Let's we can, beat him if the he other can way. stay off the ground, then he's not going to beat me. Nope, not nope, the case. Now, not he, today. If he stay off the ground, he's going to knock Second round TKO. Yeah, and then, yeah, Jared Gordon, second round TKO. Then a very, very impressive win over Kevin Lee after Kevin Lee uh, just knocked out uh, Gillespie with the head kick. Yep, and that was the very first fight, if you guys remember, back in March when the world shut down. That was the very first fight card with no fans in Brasilia, Brazil. It's a huge, giant arena in Brazil with no fans. It was, it was quite interesting. Uh, but he was unfazed, went out in that atmosphere and took care of business and subbed him in the third round, no less. Yeah, and finally, his last fight to date, which we all saw, which was a dominating performance, a win, unanimous decision. He just dominated Tony, not only in the feet, but on the ground, was able to just hold him down and really just keep control of this whole fight. It was a three-round fight, uh, one decision versus Tony Ferguson. So, I mean, dude, 30-8, and eight, the record in resume, his losses are only to the best of the best. Um, and earlier on in his career, like, there's some other fights, but the guy was originally one, two, before the UFC, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, 12, 13 and 0 before he got in the UFC. On the regional scene. So just yeah. dominant everywhere. And I got to I gotta kind of fess up a little bit. Like, yes, I said that my opinion is he deserves the, the next title shot. And that's what teed up this, this kind of conversation. And I was a little strong and firm in that conviction. But it's all just to kind of inspire a fun dialogue and debate between you and I. And I, again, like I said in the intro, am not against the Gaethje and um, Oliveira fight. And, in fact, I think... He, Truth be told, this is more of an argument, a sound argument for a number one contender spot than it is title shot. So since you could also argue that Gaethje could deserve the next shot against the winner between Conor and Dustin since he recently lost to Khabib, who's the actual champion. Since there's an argument to be made there, I think it makes sense to have a number one contender eliminator between them two. So, in fact, I'm I'm reneging my former statement, but I think it's still fun for us to discuss this whole thing in the context, especially with not knowing what the fuck's happening with Khabib. Yeah. Because it makes it tough and fun because you can speculate every which direction. Yeah, it's really hard to gauge where Gage, not hard. Listen, Gage is a tough opponent. He came off a loss. Charles Oliveira has been on an eight-fight win streak. Um, so you, I would expect them to shoot Charles Oliveira up there. But, you know, but then again, it depends when you look at it as like a matchmaker or a promoter or whether he deserves it or not or whether Gage deserves a, a contender spot so quickly. Is how how I base it off is I think it is fair because everyone that Khabib has faced gets destroyed, absolutely destroyed. So it doesn't really discredit Gaethje at all. And if you think about it, the two people who are about to fight for, I mean, I can't call it yet because it hasn't been announced. Is it an interim title? Is it for Khabib's actual unanimous, or I'm sorry, unified title? We don't know. But 
Connor and Dustin and Gaethje are all people who have lost to Khabib. Yeah. So in in, in all effect, whoever wins between Connor and Dustin, they're still at the top of the division. You could think it's round robin. Okay, now Gaethje needs to fight that person to see. You know what I'm saying? He's already got a loss, by the way, to Dustin. Gaethje does. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are pulling for Connor if they're like just kind of thinking of Dustin potential. versus Gaethje or, or rematch, or maybe they want to see Connor versus Gaethje. So I mean, this could go all different directions, and that's kind of what makes it fun. But I just wanted to take a look at the actual rankings real quick because that might also prove the point that you're talking about with it after a lot of times you if you face the champion and you lose you, this you, may not make the most sense sometimes but they'll just go di- to number but one this, but in this division it's so close and tyron and, woodley for the longest time in the welterweight division he would uh like fight he fought a couple times i can't recall exactly the, the exact examples but he would lose and then he would be the number one contender and that doesn't necessarily make logical sense but let me just take a look at it real quick so it just means that whoever was coming up who might deserve that title shot would end up facing woodley instead and the champion would be sitting there for a little bit exactly and And that instead of letting the guy who's on a win streak who's right under woodley go for the shot because he hasn't lost yet yep you know that that you gotta send up new contenders that's what they're fighting for to make their way up so in fact if you look at the lightweight uh rankings right now Justin Gaethje losing to still not stripped or retired officially Khabib who's sitting on top as champion Dustin sitting there at number one so the way they look at it is it's like a king of the mountain where you got to the very top of the mountain but you just didn't beat that guy so then you just go one step back that doesn't make sense I think the next person that was potentially ready to face them either faces Justin now right Mm -hmm. or they get their shot to pop up and face the next person this doesn't make as much sense with Khabib being semi or not retired, but you know what I'm saying? So point being, if Justin's sitting at number one, someone could argue per the rankings, he deserves the winner of Connor and Dustin, but we're going to sit here and say that either him or Charles, I think make an even case. So, all truth be told, I think it's the right fight to make, and they're probably going to announce it this next week. Yeah, I think it's the right fight to make. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I mean... I could see any of these guys. I would love to see Dustin versus Gaethje rematch, but we got Dustin and, and Connor, which is also a great rematch. And I think it's a good test for Connor again and see if he's really game with it, especially with Dustin's activity and how he's been performing, how much he's adapted and changed since they originally fought. Yeah. So that that's what makes it exciting. It makes it a real good test, especially for us junkies that are really interested to see where this momentum goes. I'm going to tell you my perspective from a standpoint of worry for Charles Oliveira. Okay. Okay. This, I would like, listen, If in Charles Oliveira, he's a gamer. He'll fight whoever. He's a savage. But he could sit and wait, and honestly, I think whatever Gaethje fight does pick, I think he could go for that title shot and, and wait for it. My biggest fear is that Justin Gaethje is a very difficult, and, 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 and he, he's, he's a very tough, tough opponent. He's, he's a heavy hitter, but we did see some weakness in the ground, but I'll, I'll get there later. Um uh, this is a very this is a very big jump. It's like, do I risk fighting this number one contender? I'm already in shot. He just lost the champion. Like, if I stay where I'm at, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my title shot eventually. Well, and think about what Tony did. He did the same thing and on a twelve fight win streak, and he lost, and, he lost and, and then had to face him. Charles and was moving his way down after losing. And what happened there? He yeah. lost again. And yeah. so that's what happens with momentum. And yep. when it comes to momentum, um, it, it worries me a little bit because. This is a very, very tough fight, and it's a risky fight to take. Yeah, uh, Gaethje still got wear and tear on him. He's only been knocked out once. He he hasn't, he hasn't had that much wear and tear on him. He's still young. He's still improving. Um, so this would be a very, very tough fight. Oh yeah, it's definitely but, risky. Potentially, but the way Charles performed against Tony 
also tells me differently. If Charles can just mix it up the way he did with Tony, especially in five rounds, he could easily manipulate and take away a lot of the weapons of Gaethje. So I, I want to respond to that point because you're absolutely right. I was so surprised about Oliveira's ability to wrestle in that fight. I know he's got world-class submissions. He's the best submission artist. He's got the record. He's broken his own record multiple times for submissions yeah. in the UFC. But it wasn't necessarily his jiu-jitsu that dominated that fight. It was his wrestling, it, it was wrestling which is kind of yeah. the in-between control. and the glue that I would always think would be his actual flaw because he's got jujitsu and good Muay Thai, but no, he's showing you that he's patched up that, that middle and ground, t- which is what Khabib used to dominate Justin to get him in the positions exactly. to utilize his jujitsu. And that's what I think Charles needs to implement. Originally, I would say he wouldn't have it. No, that's different. That's Khabib and that's Khabib wrestling, but no, like if Charles has good wrestling enough to get it to those positions, then his jujitsu is going to take Tony over. Tony is so slippery off his back and Tony is very And he could not move. And he could not move. Good point. You know, and that's my whole point. So I really, I think a lot of us underestimated the control and the grappling that Charles Oliveira not only possesses, but has grown into. I picked him, though, just to, for the record. You did. So let's go ahead. Move you on. Did. Let's move and past did. that point. Didn't help me in the end, but. <laughs> You're right. It didn't because I'm a savage. <laughs> yes. No. Um, Rating 20, 20 Dude, this champion. is a great, okay. it's a great fight to pick because they haven't fought each other. All right. Dustin, yeah. and Ju- Dustin and Justin have already fought each other. And. Dustin and Connor is a great fight to put together. Yep. It's a great rematch. And Charles and Justin haven't fought each other. So this is a great fight to watch. It's something new. Yeah. I think it makes perfect sense. I want to I want to do Do one. I think Charles is taking a risk? Do hell I Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I think yeah. he's taking a risk cuz I think he could offend uh, uh, all those 30 some 38 plus fights. This one loss could stunt him back, mm-hmm. and we've seen this, how it affected Tony. Yeah. Tony fought a lot as well. Yeah. Kind of did things the old school way. Yeah. And look what happened. So this is a You're risk, right. Like but the manly, is... like respectful, like, okay, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, screw it. I'll do it. But then you got to consider your career, and I, it's a balance. And so, yes. But yeah. the argument is you're a fighter, and you should fight anyone. And that's True. what Charles Oliveira will do. And sure. I respect that. Okay, Absolutely. Well, the so. last thing I heard, like little little birdie told me, I'm just thinking, on my social media, that that the fight is in the works, that they're trying to get it made. So that that's why I'm releasing this. I, I, you know, admittedly, I'm recording this before Wednesday, but I'm releasing it on Wednesday. So if it's already been booked, all well and good, this all still stands. It'll be ready um, to go. But it'll be probably the next card or two. It'll be probably the next card or two right after uh, McGregor. Dude, uh, you guys need to check out UFC 259. It's already so fucking loaded. If it sticks together, it'll probably be the best UFC pay-per-view I've ever seen. Check it out. But uh, So I don't think they'll throw it on that one because that one's already gigantic. Point being, is I want to do a little bit better job at clearing up the, the lightweight division because I was kind of muddled earlier. Just I'm putting my hand over Khabib, who just imagine he's not at number at uh, champion. You have the number one and number three potentially fighting each other in Justin and Charles, and then you have number two and number four fighting each other in Connor and Dustin. So it's kind of a four-way lightweight unofficial, un- informal tournament there to potentially – what? That's what I want to ask you about next. That's where I want to turn the conversation to next because it's tough to know what the stakes are and what they're fighting for when we don't really know what's going on with Khabib. Well, I think it's right now, I think it's probably, I think Khabib's uncertain. We've seen, we've heard this and that about him coming back, him not coming back. I think he's coming back for one more. I think he's kind of getting okay to the idea. So I think it's going to be for a... um well, like, do you? What well, my question well, is is, do I'm you sorry. think it's going to be easy or tough for these guys to get up for this, not knowing exactly what the stakes are? If that makes sense, mentally. Yeah, I I think it sucks for all four of them having to fight for something that 
you know, th- potentially they don't know who they're facing. It's very hard for them. T- it's very hard to, yeah, sorry, I'm mumbling. I'm trying to put my words together. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I would hate to fight knowing that I'm I'm not, might not be even fighting for a title, but I, I should, de- I deserve the title, but I'm not fighting for the title. And that's what it's looking like because we don't know what's going on. So yeah, it's a little like, it's hard to gauge your career and make decisions off of that. Especially in Charles and Charles Justin's and case because the fight's not officially booked. Dustin yeah, and Connor. Dustin, it's a money fight. They're going to yeah. make money. It's yeah. going to be good. And, and either way, those guys are in the top four. So win or lose, they're going to probably stay there. Connor or I mean, Dustin might bump down. Yeah, Connor Sanders. If Connor wins, he bumps to two. If Dustin wins or loses, he bumps down to. Uh, three or four. He's still in the top four. He still has a chance. It's weird. It's like any fight with Connor. Not only he himself transcends the rankings, but the fight and the outcome almost itself transcends the rankings. I feel like if Dustin loses to Connor, I don't feel like it has much carries much weight in the overall division for some reason. That's just my feeling. About yeah. It. Just the Connor fight is a, is its own thing. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Connor fight's a Connor fight. But um, yeah, but I yeah. I do think it it affects the mentality a little bit, not knowing what you're fighting for. I, so I, Dustin, I, I don't feel like would have much problems getting up for this. This is the biggest payday, the biggest opportunity, the biggest and it's shine. redemption. Oh, absolutely. And There's I a lot of things. Yeah. He should be very comfortable because he's grown so much and yeah. how he's performed. Mm-hmm. I think he has all the tools to finish McGregor. Yeah, and, and Connor and hasn't been as active. I mean, yeah, he did great. So this Cowboy, is a, this but is a great redemption fight, a great money fight, and it's great on his resume because oh, he, yeah. he has all the thing, all the stars are aligned for him to because he's have paid to the cost to be the boss. Yeah, and he needs to collect on them checks, and so he can. And so this is not a risky fight for him. It's not. This is is the best time to fight McGregor in Dustin's shoes. Yeah. That, and this is the best time for McGregor to pick someone in the top two that he's beaten yeah. and has a chance against. One thing I didn't want to miss, miss out on, I wanted to make sure to touch on because it's, what we were just saying reminded me of it was Dustin Poirier kind of, as I you know tried to over-explain and beat a dead horse in the intro, like I just respect fighters that kind of take the long road and things like this. I won't go into it all over again. I feel like I did a pretty decent job in that seven-minute monologue. But um, I think I wanted to point out something that you were saying earlier off uh, off air was that Conor McGregor has, at least in the recent fights, kind of turned a corner, maybe felt like he's needed to be a little bit more... Um, Humble. Yeah, yeah. and I was going to say amicable and just nicer. I don't know what other term, but, you know, with the with the cowboy fight you can talk about that and the way he approached that and then he's also offered to donate a half a million dollars to the good fight foundation for dustin poirier's charity which if you guys i highly recommend you look that up and see what they're about because it's amazing but yeah so just why don't we talk about that approach a little bit because i feel like it does play in a little bit to that mentality especially from connor's point of view like you were saying earlier and how that could you know in in your opinion i think in your rightly so opinion positively affect his uh, performance. Yeah, I have a right to an opinion. <laughs> yes, you do. It's a good one. <laughs> I'm trying to tee it up very shittily and poorly so that you yes. can tell the people your opinion. Well, first of all, I like a humble fighter. I, that's why I really respect Dustin Poirier. I really like the fact that he's humble and that he's worked hard to get there. He hasn't changed who he is. Um, he hasn't been a disgrace in any way, shape, or form. He hasn't acted retarded or done stunts to gain popularity. And in the mi- mixed martial arts community, humility is huge. Um, it's something that I grew up on. Respect. And rare, though. Uh, rare, it, rare, rare than professionals. Now. Rare now. It's yeah. turned into WWE because sure. it sells. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, Just, Con- yeah. I, I like, but Connor has a lot of accomplishments. All right, he's got a lot of accomplishments. He's 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 starched. Although he starched uh, almost all of his opponents, he he put on, he's he's gone to three different weight classes, one in all three, two time uh, two weight division champion, first in the UFC. The guy is has a lot of awesome 
awesome um, wins and victories, and, and he's made history. Um, so don't discredit him. Uh, yeah, has he done it in ways where he's been a little bit obnoxious? Absolutely. Has he changed character? If you go watch interviews when he's coming up in the UFC, who he is as a person, people say, oh, he's the nicest, humblest guy I've ever met. And to when he was on his prime and killing people and pay-per-view stardom, completely different human being. He's a heel. He's like, he's a heel. He's, he's a, he plays the bad guy, and he plays it very, very well. But I like seeing this part as I... Of, of Speaking of WWE, now. this is what's called the turn, ladies and gentlemen, where you turn from the heel to a baby face because yes. you've wrung the towel all the way dry on any yes. money you can make when people <laughs> yes. wanted to see you get your ass beat. Yes. And so let's we got to change. And, and it's good for an evolution and maturing of a human and, and being, so hopefully it's a, it's what they also call a shoot, which is real, and, and hopefully this is legitimate. And he kind of has to change because it kind of backfired. It's self-destructive. It self You've seen it time and time again. With, with, every, with yeah. Mayweather, obviously Mayweather's the greatest boxer in the world. So yeah, th but Tyson Fury luckily came back for it. But anyone who gets that level of fame, stardom, and money, you see it. It's, it's a curse, man. Not many people can manage it. It bites you in the butt. Uh, and there's always someone bigger and better than you, and sometimes it's not going to be your night. But I like seeing this part of McGregor because this is going to help him calm down. It's going to be less pressure for him. And I think he know, I know he he knows that he knows. <laughs> yep. I know he knows. That makes sense. That he knows that if he calms down, bees himself, it's going to be less pressure. He won't be as anxious to get a finish. It will allow him to fight calmer. I just feel like it, it, it will just calm him down. It will allow him to relax. It will allow him not to be as anxious. Um and allow him to focus on the fighting aspect and be more focused on fixing himself and making adjustments because right now he's in a position to where he's coming back um, or if he on if the money's gotten to him, the hiatus, if he's still got it, if his head's all there. Um, and the fact that I see him humbling himself and taking a step back shows me that he, he, he really is not focused on the money anymore, but he's more focused on, all right, I know that. I'm on eggshells, and I have to make the right move. I have to win if I really want to get back at that title shot, if I really want to be credible. Um, and keep this money train going, right? But, but you, if he, you watch his social media, to your point, I want—I don't want to cut you off. I want you to be able fine. to keep going. You're absolutely right. All the evidence that's coming out is him being extremely disciplined, extremely taking it very serious. He's training his ass off. And it's a benefit to him. And, and he's calm down. He's with his family all the time. He's with his kids, his, his wife. He's had another child. Like He seems to be bringing it all together and uh, taking the opportunities that are he's, he's built for himself serious. to – hopefully perform at the very best he get ever he, he could. So he was saying, like, um, I, I want, it's going to be a masterpiece. I'm going to perform even better than I ever have before. And then I'm going to knock him out in 60 seconds, all these other things. And so this very well could be the case because we saw what he was able to accomplish when he put his mind to it back when he was making fucking welfare and then he turned himself into a double division champion. Yeah. So it, now he's in Cage Warriors. And then and the UFC. Ireland. And then yeah. double division champion of the UFC. And yeah. then now he's, you know, so... It's just one of those things that I want to believe. I like the story, and, and to your point, like I like a humble fighter. I like somebody that has character as well as martial arts ability and skills, like technical ability. I want it to be uh, someone that's you know trying to. I don't know. That's just I, I can't explain it, but I think you get I, the point. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. Uh, he knows, and I know, and you know, and you guys know that he will get a lot of backlash if he stays the heel, comes back in the UFC and gets smashed his last couple fights because his head's not there and he's acting like a buffoon and he's not taking it seriously. We know so, is this one of those things? I got to cut you off because that he's humble, perfect, great approach, wins, 
on the mic afterwards, I apologized to absolutely fucking nobody? Is it one of those things, or does he keep it going? I, I don't or? think so. I think he keeps it going. Got it. I think he, because I think he, he stretched himself a little thin. Mm-hmm. I think he, he needs to, this is his last chance, and he needs to humble himself, take it seriously, and either win or lose humbly. Because uh, if, if, if he comes back as a heel and acts like that and starts getting smashed in his next three fights or gets knocked out or clipped, people are going to hate him. And that it's stock like, goes gonna, down real quick. It, it, his stock goes down, and then his legacy is affected. Yeah. Even all of his accomplishments, you're just known as a dick, and you know, you're know you known as that guy who came back acting stupid and then got smashed. And then your legacy gets tarnished because people are going to start thinking, well, man, well, maybe he, it's just hype. Maybe he just picked the right fights and he came back and got smashed his last three fights. And it just would, it would show me that your head is not there. And the thing is, when you are cha- when we noticed when he chased money fights with like when Diaz called him out and he was he took it, but he was like in his cocky days, he was talking mad crap all the time. Um, he was really on his high horse. He's like, yeah, I'll take it, and he got beat. And um, it puts your head in a different headspace uh, because. He was no longer, he got so caught up in stardom and got so caught up in being the heel that it it does, I think it took his focus away on performing humbly and really focusing on what matters, which is keeping your head out of the clubs, keeping your head away from the the drugs and whatever you might be doing off the scenes and the boats and lavish lifestyle. Ultimately, they're just distractions from what you need to be doing, which is improving. The money distracted him from his potential and he started to have hiccups. Yeah, he went to fight Mayweather uh, he came back, in, and then he lost to Mayweather, came back, and then lost to Khabib. Um, he did have a great performance to Khabib compared to a lot of guys. He went four rounds and was yeah, able that, to survive. that loss has aged. That performance has aged very well compared yes. to everyone else that's faced exactly. Khabib. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but, I mean, Khabib also dropped him, and, and, and Khabib is uh, a yeah. whole other story. Yeah. But all of these, him being humble and just him taking this approach, going back to himself – Focusing on the fight game, not the money game. Hopefully, I know the money's going to be there, but if he wants, I personally think, and he that he knows that if he wants to finish his legacy, that it might be running out. Um, that he's already accomplished quite a bit, um, and he and and the heel's not going to play for him anymore. And if he wants to come back and show the UFC that he's still a contender and that it's just not a fluke, that it's just not a heel thing, that he is still one of the greatest fighters in the world, that he wants to be one of the greatest fighters in the world, he needs to win. And he, I think he knows that him stepping back, being himself, being humble, and being a good martial artist will allow him to focus on the martial arts, improving, and becoming better. That's the that's the way he got to where he was in the first place exactly. is by being obsessed with the martial arts exactly. and the and and the actual ability to be the best in the octagon, not like the biggest yeah. pay per view draw. And these things came along with that laser focused mentality because that and helped him perform, which helped him skyrocket, which helped him succeed and be the biggest double champ, which allowed him to become this ultra superstar. But it all spawned from that focused mentality. And think about it too: as soon as he was double champ, he just like vacated him and left. Well, didn't and really defend him a lot. I don't know. I'm sure sure there was somebody, Luke Thomas or somebody that I know that kind of throws it out there. But I'm sure someone said when he went to fight Mayweather, like this was the the, The escape route. Well, no, like worried about the rest of the division coming in and smacking him. No, like the end of his career or like, I don't know how to say it, like the big mistake. I don't know how to say it. It kind of was a little bit of a mistake. Just because when you get a hundred million dollars, it's, it's, I got a, I got a quote. I think it's marvelous Marvin Hagler that said it's hard to get up at 4 a.m. and hit the pavement when you're waking up in silk sheets. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's a good. It's that's a really good analogy. So I like it's, that. It's tough, man. So it's. it's I, I do think that that career move did affect his it career. Can it kill made him your a ton competitive of money. drive for made, at least it, for a time. Yeah, and it made him a ton of money, but 
it did it did it tarnish his MMA legacy a little bit? Potentially, because yeah, I mean, he's out there wilding out, getting throwing getting throwing trouble, dollies, hitting old his, men in bars, showing fucking. his wiener to women or something. Dude, that, that never went to court, but you know no, that was no in in the. So who knows what, in the if weeds, that was but real. In, in uh, Irish Irish uh, journalism law, you're not allowed to name people unless they're officially convicted of something. So in all of their papers, this is so in the weeds. No one's going to care about this. But they always would speculate that certain stories were about Connor because they would always say name some um, Irish sports celebrity or something. They'd like have to name it like that because they're not allowed to name the person directly. And then anyways, these things get dropped, go away, get settled out of court. Sorry, I don't Especially mean Especially when you have hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, so he's hopefully... This Here's is a, one million dollars. This is taken away from our entire argument wiener. about him hopefully turning a corner and being a better not, person. Not but really, because these are things and mistakes that affected his mentality and his career and his momentum. And same thing with and me. His, I, I went through dumb shit to be hopefully a better person and yeah, learn from but, those things. But, but part of being a professional is being a professional inside the ring and outside the ring. Absolutely. And so, 100%. so when you look at Khabib, 29 oh, yeah. and 0. Flawless. 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 When it comes to professionalism inside and outside of the ring and performance and 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 achievements. And we talked and about this. And that's something you can that go plays back. into part of being, of in, what helps people judge time. and decide whether you're a great fighter. Because not only, you, you have to be a great fighter inside and outside the ring. And that's kind of, I think, what I was trying to say earlier. Of, like, these are some of the don't reasons why. Don't be a piece why, of shit. Yeah, and these are some of the reasons why John Jones is kind of argued. Yeah. It's because of these scenarios. I mean, some people like to be objective and say, like, I'm separating any of my personal opinions about his behaviors outside the ring, and they think I he's don't. the greatest of all time I for don't. his performances in the octagon. And I can look at that, and I can say, but there are two conversations for me, because greatness, as we've talked about in previous episodes, for me personally, does extend to the ones, the person's character. It yes. Just, it just does. But the argument, if you want to compare John Jones and Khabib to, jo- uh, to K- McGregor, is neither of these two guys have lost. McGregor has had some loses. Yeah. You know, so that's a completely different story because yeah. he's done these stupid things and he's had to pay for them and he's lost. And um, and and Khabib and Jones arguably haven't. Other like, than the only loss that Jones was technically overturned was the uh, legal downward elbow. Yeah, which, Matt Hamill, yeah. Which was... But Khabib, you're right. I mean, to bring him up is in this context is perfect because it transitions me to, I think, I think probably the last point because we're already at 40 minutes, but is that we talked about this. You can go back and check previous episodes. Thankfully, we started this in October of 2019, uh, so we have a, a hardcore record of it. I should try to go find it, but we were speculating at one point, oh, well, Khabib, because it was probably before Khabib and Conor were going to fight. And I think we were we were speculating, what if he beats him and then doesn't give him a rematch and then retires? And it's like, ha fuck you. Yeah, I remember. You know what I mean? So that's... He not only did he do that, he's won since. And I mean, if he comes back to GSP or anybody else, because that thirty, you know, doesn't entertain Connor and then goes away, that would even burn him <laughs> even more. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we talked about this. It's not beating Connor in the octagon. It's not beating Connor in the pay per view numbers. It's not these things that you would expect to kill Connor. But it's that he would never give be give give him the opportunity. He just hates Connor that much. He just can't stand him. Yeah, he's like I don't need the money. He's Khabib is so fucking rich, probably just as rich if not more rich than Connor. We especially, just don't know. Especially it. where he lives. Yeah. Yeah, he's a billionaire. So, point being Compared. is that he doesn't need to entertain Connor. He doesn't want to give Connor any attention. He doesn't want to give Connor any platform. He absolutely hates him. And I think any of this stuff that we've heard about speculation of that fight, even Dana saying recently that that's the fight to make, I think is just all string us along. I mean, the only thing we've talked about this, if Khabib can be convinced the amount of money he would make would do so much good for all the poor and, and 
un- underprivileged people in his region. That's the only thing I could think of to maybe get him to come back for one more against Connor. But if he had any opportunity to do that against any other opponent that he actually could comp- competitively get up for, he's doing it with them and he's not doing it with Connor. You think so? That's what I think. If GSP is an option, if it was GSP oh, and Connor GSP on the table, is an option. Hundred percent. It's going to be GSP. Yeah, but I then, don't think I don't GSP see, is going to be an option. But a good question to to ask by you though, because I after that I couldn't give you the next opponent that would, you know, make him say them versus Connor in terms of just thirty and zero stakes. He's already got a win over Connor. He probably feels confident in the actual competitive makeup of it. So I don't know, but GSP or bust in my opinion, if you're could be. Yeah, I well, I think there is an ounce that Khabib would come back and fight Connor again, especially for his last fight, if there's no other option, and he wants to get that 30-0 like him and his father always talked about. Um, and the reason why is I think he hates Connor so much <laughs> that he'll come back so he'll do it just the other to way. beat him again. Twice and then burn you, never give you the opportunity. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he would, if it came down to it, he would love to, he hates him that much that if it was his only option, no problem, I'll come back, especially the way he fought Gaethje with a broken foot. Bro, he, yeah. took, he took it to Gaethje with so his you're, hand. So you're saying that since Connor and Khabib fought the first time, Albeit we gave Connor a lot of credit for the way he performed I think against he, him. I think he's going to come think, back way more aggressive with Connor. And you think Khabib has gotten even better since then, like considerably, is what you're saying. So even Khabib has improved since their first meeting, is my question. I think he has. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Which is insane to think about considering how perfect he's been up to this point. I think the the fight with Gaethje just showed Khabib. Uh, showed me how how Khabib is way more savage than we could possibly expect. The guy mentally isn't scared of anyone, and I saw that with Gaethje. He fought Gaethje. He didn't care. Well, he, like yeah, when he, he fought Barboza too. He's running him down, he, literally he, running he, him down. Bro, he didn't care. He wasn't scared. I mean, granted, there's a little bit of weak spots where he could get clipped, but the dude, it when it comes down to it, like the guy can play both games. He can either press you and keep up with you and hit you. <laughs> yeah. With, which was what he did to Gaethje. No one does that to Gaethje, yeah. bro. Or he could sit there and be meticulous and just take you down, stay away, not get hit at all. The guy can literally do whatever he wants to you. <laughs> and so, like, with and he's Connor, done it he 29 could, times. He could come back with Connor and did what he did. we saw with Gaethje and, and just be completely just, like, crazy and, like, yeah. just take him down, beat him on the ground and, like, start walking McGregor down and McGregor's going to be like, what the hell? Um, so all right, question, <laughs> question, going off the rails here because we're gonna end this pretty soon. But I, I wanted to ask you, what's a bigger fight? I think I know the answer: John Jones versus Israel Adesanya or Connor and Khabib two. Connor Khabib two. All right, what's a bigger fight? Um, what do I think's a, a better fight to watch? It's gonna be more competitive. Jones versus Israel. How do you think that fight's gonna go? Briefly, I don't. I don't. I haven't even kind of begun to picture it in my head. Uh, Potentially, I think Jones' decision. Gotcha. Um. Uh. Yeah, I think it's just low activity, lesser, less than we would expect him. Kind of single shot, high variance, touching him up, but yeah, not like I, super I, engaging. I, I think Jones is just uh, has a power advantage, and I think he's got great wrestling. Mm. So I think it would definitely make Israel a little more hesitant on being his normal being self. His normal self. Yeah. Um. So I think. With that being in play, that's why I feel I think like it'd be a super close. I think it'd be like watching Israel faces fight fights uh, 
Anderson Silva. Like, low key, that, that I, I see that. I see that. But low key, I think that's why Israel had this plan of I'm fighting him in 2021, all the way back when he first entered the UFC. It's because I think he knew he needed to shore up and get better at his takedown defense and his yeah. wrestling over the course, kind of learning on the job. Because he was expecting about. to potentially fight. Yeah. Exactly, and so I I think it all just kind of depends on if the size is a factor, a, and then if Israel Adesanya's be, takedown defense has yeah. gotten good enough to, you know, yeah. But there's some hate. Ward off. Yeah, there's some hate between those two guys and the way they talk smack. It wasn't like the respect that he had with Silva. So I think there's going to be some swinging. Sure. There's going to be some striking. Sure. And I think Jones is going to want to take it to him, especially since Jones has been out for a little bit. So I think he's going to want something to prove. He's going to want to shut the kid up. So I, I don't think the fight's going to be like super stale. I think it will be exciting, competitive. I think we'll see some flashy stuff. But we still, I mean, again, I'm kind of man. counting the chickens because uh, but we, the Israel way, still has to fight Jan, yeah. the light heavyweight champion. Yeah, and which is happening in February, in Peter, I believe. I'm not Peter Jan, but uh, but you say Jan? Oh, yeah, Jan Blockovich. Yeah. yeah, but um, and then Peter, but, Peter Jan just got announced for Aljamain Sterling That's finally. Yes, he needs to fight soon too. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean that's a. I mean, he can go either way. I mean, the way we saw Israel knock out Costa and kind of like, dude, he's got the left hook power, bro. He gets you know, so he could shake Jones. We that was never weird. Know. That whole fight was weird to yeah, me. How he was to able me. to just puppet master him and like, it's like, dude, Costa, like you have a big ass fucking gigantic pit bull or a keto or something like that, but it's someone that's trained him from a puppy, right? That it just, just no, calm, boom. Like, like Ezra, and oh wow, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about how I made that uh, comparison, and then Israel is fucking humping him like a dog after that fight. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, bro. Like when you see that fight, I'm telling you, like Costa mentally was scared of Israel. Yeah. Like Costa's never been scared. All his fights you see him fight, he's a dog. He's an absolute animal. But Israel got in his head very he well. He was a wizard. He was a he's wizard. He's a wizard, man. Yeah. And and it really, really like I, I like Costa was like. Just didn't know what to do. Like it was not mentally there. That's not the Costa I've seen fight before. Right. And it just shows you when you get in the ring with Israel, the the kind of energy he has. In you're it. overthinking and things. You don't want to commit to anything, and then know? you're just a sitting and target. That's, the dan- that's that's what hurts you the yeah. most. You know, and that's yeah. what got him caught up in that. He didn't. And he, then his leg was just gone. He was mentally just not there. And 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 you know, so. Israel has that effect, but John Jones, I don't think, will be affected by that whatsoever. So I think it'd be a fun fight. But w- what fight will my heart be pounding more for? Like more for it will be Khabib versus Khabib and Connor. Connor. Because yeah. part of me wants Connor to win. I mean, I don't have a. I want Dustin to win. Like if you just a gun to my head, like no, uh, I'm talking. About, I'm talking about Connor and Khabib. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like part of me wants to see Connor. That would seal. I think would be a huge part of Connor's legacy if he were to do it. I think that would be if he were if he's able to starch Khabib, then it would show us that Connor can can do it. He can make the adjustments. Champagne bottles popping, dude. Like because part of me wants red to, panty part night of all me over wants again. To see that, but I don't think platinum it's, panty night. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's gonna happen. But um, but with yeah with Connor and Dustin. I think that's going to be again a tough fight for Connor. Way tougher than I th- uh, him. Sixty seconds. I don't see it. I I I think it's going to be quite a, quite a strategic battle. Same. I that's I'm glad you brought it back to that because we kind of went off the rails a little bit of uh, pipe dream talk. You know, potential matchmaking, putting fights together in the future. But all in all, Jan has to fight Israel. Connor has to fight Dustin. Oliveira might fight Gaethje, but um, all these fights have to happen. So. I think you're right. I think I don't see it maybe, you know, 60 seconds, but I'm I Connor looks gigantic to me. Connor looks like he is cutting as much weight as he used to cut for 145 now to get to 155. So 
I think he's going to try to go out there and and, and replicate. The I think he's going to try to somewhat replicate. Nope. I think Dustin's going to be really good at sticking the jab and throwing hard leg kicks and circling, circling for the first two rounds, and then he's going to turn it up on him. If he's smart, and I think he is smart, and you've he's heard him say in interviews, I fought emotionally. I he got in my head, and I wanted to take his fucking head off, and that's what got cost me the the yeah. the, the, the loss. And so I think you're right. I think he's going to do his best to try to get at least into the second round, let that adrenaline dump drop for both of them, and then settle into the fight a little bit, and then now we're actually fighting. Yes, you know now it's going to be competitive. Now I'm not at risk of anything stupid. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how Connor, how sharp he looks. I'm you excited. Know? I'm really, and that card's loaded. I think loaded. it's going to be a good fight. I think and it's going to be a really good fight. We uh, So I hope you guys checked out episode 65, dropped on Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed this extra bonus content on Wednesday. And we are going to be coming back, of course, the following Monday after this weekend's fights. Um, we are going to be breaking down and giving you the recap for the UFC Fight Night uh, Cater versus Holloway and then setting you up and giving you our official picks for the Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa uh, Fight Night card, which happens on that Wednesday, guys. So make sure to stay tuned and keep your uh, notification bells on if you have them because we are going to have a lot of content this coming week since there are those three fights in the same week. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And that does it for this installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five-star rating, hopefully. Don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, Eden Buttery Pancakes, slash I Get People Shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with StrongWomenDesigns.com. Nora, my girl, with DreamLoudCollections.com. Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Caesar with OC Party Rentals. Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef. Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services. And last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.